As uh, Ryan just said earlier, this morning is um, what the church has called for a really long time now, um, Pentecost Sunday. And, and, and what we do on Pentecost Sunday is we remember that amazing moment uh, where the Holy Spirit descended upon the very first followers of Jesus. And, and what we want to do this morning is we want to go back to that story for a few minutes and dwell in that story for just a few minutes. Uh, for those of you that have Bibles, um, the passage we're going to be referring to is in Acts. It's Acts 2, uh, verses 1 through 13. And then we're going to tack on two more verses, um, verses 38 through 39. You're able to turn there um, if you want to. Now, before we read um, that scripture passage a second, I want to set the stage for those of us that may not know where this um, Pentecost Sunday thing fits. So um, basically how the story goes, there's this thing called Pentecost. And right before this thing called Pentecost, you have Jesus. And, and then Jesus goes to a cross and then Jesus dies on the cross and his disciples are pretty devastated um, by this incident. And then as we know, days later, um, Jesus on Easter morning resurrects from the dead. It's this really amazing moment. And then Jesus visits his disciples, kind of sneaks in and out and does this great teaching time kind of in this resurrected body. And then we get to this moment where Jesus is on this hilltop with his disciples. And at that, and at that hilltop, he descends um, away into heaven to be with his father. It's this really meaningful moment in the story. And then right before Jesus descend, or ascends, sorry, is Jesus taught, has a quick pep talk with his followers and says, look, just wait here a minute. Don't do anything. Just stay in the city. Just wait. And um, there's this helper. This helper's on the way, and this helper is going to help you. So before you make any moves, do anything, just wait for this, this helper to come. And so the story that we're about to read in Acts 2, 1 through 13, is the story of the helper's arrival. And it is quite a story if you haven't heard it before. And so we're going to hear that story now. Um, Lindsay Higley, who is actually one of our new members this morning, she is going to, I'm going to invite you up wherever you're at, Lindsay. You can head on up to read scripture for us. What we like to do here is we like to stand and we face the center of the room as scripture is read, if you're able to do so. And we do that because the story of the Bible is the greatest story ever told. It's a true story. It's the story of the gospel. So Lindsay, when you're ready, take it away. When the day of the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native languages? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cratians and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said that they have had too much wine. Peter replied, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Thank you, Lindsay. You all may be seated. I'm fairly certain that we chose the hardest scripture passage possible for Lindsay to read. And she nailed it. She did a really good job. She did. So this story of Pentecost, it's, it honestly is an amazing story. And there is a lot of unpacking that you could do in this story if you wanted to. Unfortunately, we don't have time. It's, uh, it's time to bring our new members up and all that fun stuff. So we don't have time to do that. However, there's one point that I'd like to make. Now, I'm not sure if the first followers of Jesus understood this, um, but there is a similarity from Pentecost to Jesus' ministry in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now, Jesus didn't just come down and he was born on a Christmas morning and then boom, ministry started. He had to grow up first. That took years, perhaps maybe to 14 or something like that. And in fact, Jesus' ministry didn't even start then. It started even later than that. Jesus, uh, scripture says, his ministry started something like at 30 years Old. And you know what it was that started Jesus' ministry? Do you know what that was? It was his baptism. It was his baptism. Um, Luke actually records this in, in Luke 3. Listen to this. Um, it's not on the screen, but just listen. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And, he, and as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And listen to this. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, right after that. You see, Jesus' ministry began by the Holy Spirit coming down upon him and resting upon him. And his father, this heavenly voice speaking, saying, hey, with you, I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, on Pentecost Sunday, behaves in a very similar manner to that. The Spirit of God came on these early, early followers of Jesus and then equipped them to do the work of the church, to model Jesus, to invite all people to hear the good news of Jesus. And ever since Pentecost, when the Spirit uh, came upon the church, the good news has been preached around the globe again and again and again. In fact, it is in this moment at Pentecost in Acts 2 that we see the first gospel message ever preached in the history of the world. And it is preached by a man named Peter who probably didn't have that much faith all throughout his story, yet it's him that God chose. And then he preached and he finishes his message, probably his first time speaking in a large, large crowd. And he ends with these last couple of verses in our scripture reading. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And the result of Peter's first gospel message in the history of the world is what? 3,000 people were added to their number and the church began to explode. And ever since then, millions of people from around the world 
have continued to repent and they continue to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And this morning on a Pentecost Sunday, we get a little glimpse of that. There will be nearly 50 adults and kids and children and teens that are going to profess their name in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And then there will be over 20 people that get baptized. We already saw four of them in the first service. We get to see the rest. It's going to be a holy moment. The question is, are you ready for that holy moment this morning, that Pentecost moment? Are you ready? So to begin the Connections um, membership process, I'm going to invite Tiffany Eden up, one of our children's directors, and she's going to share for just a little bit her perspective as the young kids' um, uh, children's director. Good morning, everyone. Well, this is an exciting Sunday. Um, This is the Sunday that we get to um, celebrate new members, and you know, I really do love this Sunday. I'm in charge of the children in the nursery and any child in kindergarten and younger. So I work with the really young kids here at TFRC. And in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul writes, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. A lot of times our young children, they, they don't have that, um, that profession of faith as a young, young one. And so we water and we plant and we water and we plant, but we always don't see what happens at the end. And I, so I want to bring, begin with that with you. Um, I enjoy so much working with the, with the young children. It's the early age that we get to begin our partnership with parents. It's that young age that we get to partner with parents to plant the seeds of faith and tend and water them. Myself and my team of volunteers in the nursery and the Sunday school classes, we, along with the parents, get to introduce these little ones to our God, the God who created them, who loves them, and to Jesus Christ, who loves them, who died on the cross for them, and wants to be their friend forever. That is an exciting thing that we get to do. And we plant those seeds and we tend to them, but sometimes it takes a while for those seeds to grow. It begins in the nursery. Typical for a child to have a separation anxiety and, and to cry a little bit when their parent leaves. But typically, that will end after a minute. A child doesn't normally cry too much longer after a parent leaves. But one particular child likes to cry a lot and will hold on to that separation anxiety for a really long time. In fact, so long that after 10 minutes, we call the parent back and the parent comes back and that goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And we notice that one, the parent is able to engage fully in in worship out here and and to um, be a part of the community out here, but also this child is having a hard time. So our loving volunteers will take the extra time and hold on to that kid a little bit longer. We have a beautiful painting that um, Bev Vanderholst painted for us in the nursery. And it's a, p- a painting of sea creatures and Noah's Ark. And the teachers will point out to the painting and count the sea animals, show the, the rainbow above the ark, find the, the giraffe that's in there, and um, just spend more time with our children. And at that moment, seeds are being planted a child is learning that they can trust church, that this is a comfortable place, and that people here care about them and love them. And that's Christ's love being shared with this child. And those seeds are being planted. So this little particular guy, he did 
finally stopped crying when he gets dropped off to nursery, and he does now walk in there and is a part of the group and, and is doing well. So thank God. Huh. Um, we continue this tending and watering seeds in our preschool classrooms. We worship together, we pray together, and we um, continue to show children the love of Christ. Our teachers are encouraged to go out to, to um, be outside of these walls and to go out and, and visit children at their graduations, with preschool graduations and kindergarten graduations, or to go watch their soccer games. This group, the preschool age group, I love it when I hear from parents about the stories of church happening outside of the walls. I love to hear when children um, are pretending to be Pastor Brian or Pastor Chuck and have their own congregation of people that they're preaching to. It happens, I'm telling you, it really does happen. It's really adorable. I also get videos of children at home um, stating the Shema, or they're building a tabernacle, and parents will videotape what the child is, is um, doing with that. Um, I also get to see on Facebook pictures of children who will draw um, crosses on the ground for Easter time. I love those stories that church is happening outside of this building. We partner with parents on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights. We continue with our, our children's programming throughout the summer. In a few minutes, Pastor Brian will be coming up, and we are baptizing three infants this morning. When we baptize our children here, our little ones, as a congregation, we renew our own commitment to Christ. And as a community of believers, we make a commitment. We commit to pray for this child we can make a commitment to encourage, to love, and to teach them. And when we make that commitment and we take it to heart, it looks like the volunteer in the nursery holding a crying baby. When we take that commitment to heart, it's the leaders who are going out to those piano recitals or those um, song, song recitals. I don't remember what that's called, but anyway. Um, when we take that commitment to heart, it's our church body who was praying for a family who had just heard that their child has been diagnosed with cancer. When we take that commitment to heart, it's the seeds being watered and cared for, and God is working on them growing. So today, today we get to see the fruit of our labor. We get to see that those seeds that were planted in those early years have now grown, and we get to see the, pleads, the seeds that were planted in nursery, the seeds that were cultivated and tended to in the preschool classrooms, and that those seeds that God made grow, we get to see those seeds turn into a faith, a faith in Jesus Christ, a relationship with our Lord and Savior, and those seeds have an internal impact on a child. Those seeds are going to be with them for the future and their future families. So this is a very exciting Sunday, and it is really one of my favorites. Um, I'm Melanie Hilaritis, and I am the um, children's director for elementary age kids. So I wanted to introduce you to Carly here. I've had the privilege of knowing Carly Gentert for a long time. She's been in my uh, ministry since she was in first grade. So I've got to see, I've been able to see her faith just grow in Jesus. She loves Jesus so much and loves to share her faith. And so she's going to share with you why her faith matters so much. So Carly, how 
Um, who, how was your, and who influenced your faith, and how has it helped you love Jesus and grow in a stronger relationship with him? My faith has been influenced in many ways. Some of those ways are by going to church, listening to Christian music, doing devotions, reading the Bible, and praying. My friends, parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and small and large group leaders have also all influenced my faith. They keep on encouraging me and have always been there for me, and just by spending time with Jesus. Good job. That's awesome to hear that all of you have made such an impact on the faith of kids' lives. Um, Carly, when did your faith start to click for you? So, I don't exactly remember when, but I remember what happened. One time on we were doing communion, and Pastor John said he encouraged the parents to let the kids take it. And my mom asked what it meant to us. I said Jesus was talking to the 12 disciples, and he gave them some bread and said, this is my body, and he took some wine and said, this is my blood, and then the whole Easter story happens. That was really the first time my faith start, really started to click. Good. Each of us, we, we never know when our children are going to, that moment's going to click for them. So it's so exciting to see that. Um, why does your um, faith matter so much? My faith matters to me because I would be lost without Jesus. I know that he's always there for me, my faith gives me hope, a really strong hope, and because of him, I will have eternal life. That's awesome, the hope that we have. So one of the Kid Connections class we talked about is our personalities and who God created each of us to be and where he would want us to serve in the body and the community of faith. So Carly, where do you see yourself serving in the community of I faith? I see myself serving by working with kids, like in the nursery or a small group or greeting like my mom does. I would like to also join the worship team. Whatever I do, I want to make sure everyone feels welcomed at TFRC. Awesome. And I do know she sings really well. I just went to her Tavasi concert, and she sings beautifully. So let's give it up for Carly for sharing. Um, we wanted to tell one more story, and it is a story of a person that I'm quite fond of. Um, she is newer to our church, and she has just a huge heart for worship, and you can see it um, in this space every single Sunday. Her name is Danny Duffield, if you've ever met her. And Danny... We got claps already. Wow. And Danny, with permission, um, Danny is 74 years old. And last service, she gasped when I said that. And, but I had permission last time, too. Um, and she's turning 75 this week. And so if you see her, please wish her a happy birthday. Um, and again, one of the things I appreciate about her is just her heart for worship. There is an authenticity to her that you can see. It's right on her face when you meet her here in a second. So Danny, could you please join me up here? Come on up, Danny. Danny, I just want to start talking about worship. Yeah. What is it for you that allows you to worship the way you do in this space? Well, basically it's because I come from over 50 years of living in a spiritual desert, which is a dry, lifeless, empty, pointless, place. I, you know, I, knew, I knew Jesus when I was growing up. I, I attended church regularly. Uh, I have a rich heritage of, 
uh, men and women who served the Lord faithfully. But I, I turned, I decided that I would, I would put God away. And so the desert began. And, you know, you, you, you still go on in life and you try to look for love and acceptance in a world. And all I got was toxic relationships. Uh, we, lived in, we lived in conditions that were very tough. We had no money. We, had, um, we lived in meager housing. I lived in horse trailers and garages and barns and uh, campers, old broken down trailers and even a pig following pan. And, and I spent seven years in a school bus. No electricity or no running water. It was like stepping back into the 18th century. But unfortunately, God was nowhere in sight at this time. And so um, when we see you this morning, we see joy. I, you are filled with joy. So what took you out of your desert to where you are today? <laughs> well, I was desperate. <laughs> you know, I had looked for that value in love relationships. And of course, it was failure after failure. So I turned to self-worth through my work. And I had a job, and I, that, a good job, that, but I worked, and I worked, and I worked. And oftentimes in the, in the spring of the year, of each year, we would, sometimes we'd work for two, three, four months without having enough time to take a day off. And so it was, you know, a period of, I finally came to the point where I was totally exhausted. And actually, I mean, just at the end of myself. And at that moment, God showed up and the way out began. So when you're in this space, you worship in a, in, she worships in the most unrestrained, <laughs> joyful, just totally, your connection is on God the whole time. And, and how is it that you can do that, especially every week? <laughs> I mean, you know, some people, um, I mean, we, you know, God speaks to some people, but my Lord and Savior sings to me. <laughs> you know, C.S. Lewis wrote those wonderful Narnia stories. In one of the storybooks, it's close to my heart, is, is when he... Um, when he takes his little group of characters and he puts them down in this world that's totally dark, there's no, it's just total darkness, it's void, it's empty, sounds a lot like my desert. And then far away in the distance, a voice begins to sing. And the, uh, the song doesn't have a tune, it doesn't have any words, but it is so rich and beautiful that you could hardly breathe. And then that voice, voice of Aslan was, the voice comes closer, the, strong, the song becomes stronger and stronger, the, dark, the darkness gives way to the first light of dawn, and in one glorious note, the sun rises. And, you know, and God said, let light be. 
and for um, and and that was exactly what happened for me too. I began to hear this beautiful song of creation when I'd go to visit the when I go to watch this the great crane sandhill crane migrations that happen every spring and the music of the crane's song which is a choir of 500,000 voices sang this It, it was the type of song that just drew me back to the very dawn of creation itself. You know, and the greatness and the power of our eternal God just stands without question. You know, he had come back for me. And after, and after I'd been so dead for so long, I'm alive again. <laughs> you know, the music of the song of God's word and the music of his presence. It, um, it's like healing living waters to a dry and thirsty soul. One simply has to dance for joy. Well, thank you. You know, one of the things that makes us distinct is, is our vision statement. We, we want to be a vibrant community, and it's people like Danny and a lot of the people, all the people in our Connections class that are doing that. They're making us a more vibrant community to look a little bit more like, I think, heaven, what heaven's supposed to be. 